added one more day in our lives and we can always thank him for he's the one who is watching over us i only wish that we get to you know we understand that and we tend to keep our eyes on him and all this bible study all that we are doing is basically not even to gain knowledge per se but just to know him and to keep our eyes on him and to walk with him lean on him and receive his guidance because without him we can do nothing so let's look to the lord in prayer glorious father we thank you for this evening king of kings lord of lords eternal god creator god what can we do without you oh god you have revealed yourself through the word of god for the word of god is alive and active i pray lord as we study the word of god it will become alive and active today it will penetrate oh lord our dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow Oh God, you are the one who judges our attitudes and thoughts. I pray, Lord, we our life will be pleasing in your sight. In everything we do, everything we say, oh God, let your name be glorified. Holy Spirit, I pray you will take complete control of the session. Have your way in our midst. Minister to each one of us. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> okay we are uh, today will be the last time i'll be uh, i'll be just revising these headings uh, you will never get to see this later so i just want to revise it once more i did it last wednesday and today also i would like to do that this is what we have studied from the book of proverbs uh, many of us have read proverbs for years we have read probably for multiple times we have read uh, because 31 chapters we read that but uh, because we have been reading the chapter as such uh, it becomes difficult to to get a hold of the themes after all a proverbs proverb is supposed to be a pithy statement a short statement and uh, we should struggle to find the meaning of it and when we put all these proverbs together and when we see uh, what does proverbs say about the heart uh, this is what we have learned thus far action shape the heart actions open the eyes the heart shapes the actions god and the heart no one's heart is pure confession the discerning heart introvert or extrovert inside and outside <clears throat> deep waters then we studied about reordering desires because our heart is trapped by desires trapped by desire so we have to reorder it the sociology of desire basically the kind of friends we have and now what all things the society values <clears throat> all these have an impact on our heart condition approval power control uh, comfort and control these are basically god substitutes 
uh, you know, in the Bible, it says you can either serve God or Maimon. And when you see all this, approval, power, comfort, and control, basically, um, they behave like God. And we need to be careful about this. Next one, we saw this understanding temptation. And temptation is not, it just happens like this. It's not like that. It's rationalization, stages of temptation. Uh, devil always convinces us there will be no consequences. Nobody is watching you, no consequences. And then we also tend to defend that. Uh, right now, we are studying understanding emotion. I hope today we'll be able to complete it. Uh, the whole person, emotion is not that just one aspect. The whole person, anxiety, hope, loneliness, look deeper, joy, guilt, God's scales are the perfect scales. None of us can judge correctly. The crushed spirit should be very careful. If our spirit is strong, we can face any amount of problem. Happiness is a choice. It is a choice we can make. We don't choose our circumstances, but happiness is a choice. And last Wednesday, we were studying about self-control and we were talking about the importance of self-control, the problem uh, of self-control, and we were talking about the solution. And towards the end, there was the internet outage and I had to quickly rush through that. So I'll just revise the last portion, which we were talking about. Uh, if you remember, we were talking about Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out as they sailed. He fell asleep. His coal came down on the lake so that the boat was being swam and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we are going to drown. And at this place, I asked a question. If you had been in the place of disciple, how you would have reacted? And what is wrong with their reactions? After all, after all, they're all trained fishermen and they knew swimming. And if they have to wake up master means it is something unusual. Uh, it, it was tsunami in their life. Uh, so they're going and waking up, master, master, we are going to drown. And some of you, uh, I think some of you said, we will also behave in the same way. We will also show them. Then he, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is their faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Remember, uh, God, Jesus is a man full of emotions. And uh, when we become religious, we, we kill these emotions. We somehow, we tend to think the emotions are sinful and all that. After all, God only gave us emotions, and Jesus was a man full of emotions. Now, basically... It is not even Jesus is rebuking them for behaving like this. 
basically what the question is, where is your faith? This passage is basically teaching us not how to react to a situation, but this passage is basically telling us, you know, your faith is based on what? What is the basis of your faith? It's a, it's a lesson in faith for the disciples. Uh, these disciples have seen the miracles and they've seen, they've been with Jesus for some time. Uh, they knew Jesus well. And this is a lesson for the disciples. And that's a lesson for us also. Uh, not, this is not a lesson on emotions. Uh, this passage is basically a lesson on, on the object of faith. Where is your faith? Uh, and because uh, Jesus was teaching this, uh, this, this is the lesson he wanted to teach them. That's what he's, you know, the next uh, part says, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? Though they were with Jesus, they, their understanding of Jesus as son of God or the second person of Trinity or in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, that was not yet complete. Uh, they, they are also growing in their faith. So their understanding is not yet complete. That is the reason the disciples are asking, who is this? Because they have not yet come to the place to accept Jesus as God, despite seeing all those miracles. They, they are not even clear to, you know, to say that the second person of Trinity is here. The God who created the heavens and the earth is here. They have not come to that stage. So this passage is basically a passage on faith. Uh, so we are talking about self-control. How do we exercise self-control? Now, uh, this, is, this is not a passage per se on self-control. Uh, because I brought this passage, don't uh, uh, mistake me. It is not a passage on self-control. Now, this is a passage, basically, I was teaching that when they are in a crisis, how people react, how disciples, uh, they responded. That's the reason. Now, now the self-control, uh, we have to learn over a period of time, or we need to constantly learn to recognize what is important and what is urgent. Now, if we don't come to that place to understand what is important and what is urgent, uh, we will find it difficult to have self-control, to exercise self-control. Now, this is where I was telling uh, all of you that there is something known as Heisenhower principle. Uh, Dwight Heisenhower was the uh, former president of United States. And as I told you earlier, that he was the one who led the forces uh, during the Normandy beach, during the Second World War. And uh, in 1954, when he addressed the Second Assembly of the World Council of Churches, he said, uh, this is what Heisenhower said. He said, I have two kinds of problems. 
One is the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important and the important are never urgent. This is what's known as Heisenhower principle. The urgent are not important and the important are never urgent. Uh, now, if we can, if you are able to distinguish between urgent and important, uh, it will help us in our life, uh, in achieving our goals, both personal as well as professional. It is very important for us. Uh, they, they help us in our professional life as well as personal life. What is urgent if we can just differentiate between urgent and important. Now, those who can make the distinction between urgent and important, uh, most of the time they'll be successful and they'll be able to exercise self-control because any successful person has to exercise self-control to some extent. Control over himself, control over his tongue, control over his money, control over his appetite. So <clears throat> any successful person sh will, should be able to differentiate between urgent and important. Now, what do you think are the important things in our lives? You can unmute and tell. What do you think uh, are important? Irrespective of our age, uh, irrespective of our education, what, what are the things that are important? Uh, am I clear? Okay, tell. <clears throat> tell, tell, Asha. Asha. Uh, basic things like uh, safety, comfort, food. These, these are important or urgent? Oh. Huh? Both, actually. Uh, I want, uh, how do we uh, recognize what is important? We'll, we'll, of course, we'll, we are just thinking through it. So there's no harm in it. Job, pastor. For what? I the place know. we work like, our uh, own job, yeah. Place of work, our profession. Profession, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Others? Families. Families. Uh, now, the, basically what we are saying important is job. Important is family. Okay, good. We'll see. Christ. Uh, important is Christ. Very good. important. Important is Christ. Okay. Peace of mind, Pastor. Peace of mind. Okay, these are important. Yes. Health. A sense of belonging, Pastor. Health. 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 What did you say, Asha? A sense of belonging. Sense of belonging to whom? Someone. Sense of belonging. You, you mean to say relationship? Relationships. Relationships. Okay. Okay, good. Others? We have got uh, five different answers. Others? Mm -hmm. 
Asha, if you can just mute it. Others, you can answer so that uh, we'll have, see, it helps us to think. Uh, we think uh, job is important, family is important, relationship is important, health is important, peace of mind, uh, anything else. We consider all these important, consider to urge it. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to say that this is right, this is wrong, but uh, the important things for us is to know about afterlife. If our life is going to end in this world, then uh, our priorities will be different. If you are going to live, after this life, then our priorities will be different. So important thing to know is whether there's going to be a resurrection, whether there's going to be a reincarnation, whether this death is the end of life, that is the important thing. And once we understand that, uh, then, then we can come to the other place, job, money, relationship, family, and all that. But if, if suppose resurrection is important and if we truly believe that we'll be living forever and ever after our death and then in, in this world we are just travelers just looking ahead any day the journey will end soon. Now all those who have answered those questions do you think there is a change in the way you will think what is important and what is uh, urgent? Is, will there be a change or do you think still what you said will be the, will be the important things? There will be change first. There will be change. change, yeah. There will be change, okay. So this is the important thing, the afterlife. <clears throat> Keeping our eyes on the afterlife. And once afterlife becomes, afterlife becomes important, then we struggle with faith-related questions and doubts. Is it really true? Is it just a story just because I'm a Christian, I keep hearing or I just read in the Bible? Is it true? You know, unless we process and we believe, uh, it will be difficult when we are facing difficult situations. So once we are, we are able to resolve the faith-related questions and doubts, then our criteria will be walking in the presence of God and enjoying God. Now, these are important things. Now, once these are important, our job, family, relationship, health, peace, everything falls in its place. Uh, because the problem is we often focus on urgent things. And, they, and because we focus on urgent things, we ignore the important ones. Now, if afterlife is important, now walking in the presence of God is important, 
enjoying God is important, then becoming rich is not important. Treating job as an idol is not important. Achievements is, are not my identity. Now, that is the reason why we should know what is important, what is urgent. Uh, all through the day, we will be focusing on urgent things, thereby ignoring the important thing. Now, I'll just give you one example from the Bible, then you can read and you can, we all know the story, story of Martha and Mary. And with this uh, background, you go and read that passage once more. What did Jesus say to Martha? Mary has chosen something. Jesus was not against cooking, hospitality. Uh, Jesus was not against that. After all, Jesus would have had food in that house. After he has finished teaching, he would have had lunch there. Jesus was not against that. What Jesus, what, what Jesus wanted to teach Martha was you're worrying about urgent things. You're not concerned about important things. Mary has chosen the important things. I hope with this, it becomes clear what is urgent, what is important. Yes, Pastor. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. And once you understand what is urgent and what is important, now you can find out how much of time are we spending on urgent things and how much of time we are spending on important things. The world will always keep us busy with urgent things. So are we going to spend our life being busy on urgent things or are, are we going to be focused on important things? And once we focus on important things, that's where we learn self-control. Uh, most of the time people lose uh, their temper because they cannot achieve, uh, they're disappointed, they've lost their promotion, all those, it, it, it happens like that. So once we know what is imp important, I think to a great extent, we will be able to control our temper. So the most important thing is always to honor, to trust in God and please God. This is the most important thing, to honor God, to trust in God and to please God. This is important. Rest all is urgent. Job is urgent, health is urgent, relationship is urgent. Uh, because uh, sometimes relationships become an idol. So once a mindset is clear, this is the most important thing, to honor God, to trust in God, and to please God. So the fruit of the Spirit always yields self-control. Because as you understand the important thing, the Bible says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the spirit. So once we are aware and filled, uh, you know, the, the man who is addicted to drinks, from morning he wants to be under the influence of liquor. Uh, that's the kind of language Paul uses here. So all through the day, if you are 
if you are influenced by the spirit, then the way we react, the way we speak, it'll all be different uh, because the word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes. Uh, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. We can hide from each other, but not from God. So how do we develop this attitude? All I could say is our attitude should be like that of a little child towards his mother. Uh, you know, for a little child, the mother should always be in its sight. Uh, many of us, we have seen how a little child, the moment the mother moves from one bedroom to, to another room, uh, the child starts crying. So the, the mother has to be in the sight of the child. Off late, uh, the mother has been replaced by caregivers. So <laughs> that's a difference. That's what's happening in 21st century. The mothers are busy with their laptops and uh, whether it is good or bad, it's for them to realize. The mother should be in the sight of the child. So that should be our attitude. Uh, why I'm bringing this example. Uh, now, I'm again going back to the Bible and I'll just read uh, three verses. Exodus 3, 1 to 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Now, this fire was visible to Moses from a long distance. We are not talking about visibility. We are talking about sight. The mother should be in the sight of the child. So Moses is coming closer so that he can have, I can go and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. Now that should be our attitude. We should always try to get closer to God and God should be within our sight. We can see God from a distance the visibility. Okay, I'm not talking about visibility. I'm talking about sight. For the child, the mother has to be in the close proximity. Like that, when we become children and we will always cry, if we can't see God, I think we'll have self-control. Because if you are close to God, if God is in our sight, we will not be alarmed, we will not be anxious, we will not be fearful. We will always have peace in the midst of the storm because Jesus is with us on the boat. I'll go over and see this strange sight. So the more God is in the center, in other words, you know, we cannot, God is spirit. And uh, he, is, uh, he is not visible, but his spirit is present. So he should be vividly before the eyes of our hearts and attention. We need to commune with him. 
this is what the early church fathers did. If you read church history, this is what they did. Of late, because we are busy attending to urgent things, God is no longer urgent, uh, no longer important. So God has to be always important. Like a child, uh, you know, the child cries the moment the mother takes just two steps away. The child cries. No one has done anything to the child. Just that, just that fear of, you know, I can't see my mother, the child cries. Have we come to that place that we will cry if we can't see God? Because if God is, if we can see God, we can always control ourselves. Whether it is cancer, whether it is tumor, whether it is financial loss, whether it is job loss, sickness, death, anything, we'll be able to control ourselves because God is in the center and we are only created beings. So all that we can do is we need to keep praying, God, oh God, draw me closer to you. And Lord, you grab and hold my attention like a mother holds the child's hand, Lord, you hold my hand and Lord, you grab my attention moment by moment so I can live as I should. So that's the way we can have self-control. Okay, the last topic in this is shout for joy. Uh, Proverbs 29, six says, Evil doers are snared by their own sin, but the righteous shout for joy and are glad. Evil doers are snared by their own sin. Uh, because this world has been created with an order, because this world has been created by an intelligent being, set up with certain rules, so, so there is an order behind it. Uh, every morning we can see sun, by evening the sun sets, uh, this is the seasons are in time. We know now it is autumn, then will come winter, then it will come spring, summer. All this we know because the world has been set on some order. So we know that because God's creation has an order inbuilt, so evil doers are snared by their own sin, not by others, their own evil deeds will trap them. But we should also realize for the time being, sin may bring prosperity and righteousness and righteousness may lead to suffering. Uh, bad people may prosper and good people may suffer. Uh, this, is the, this is what's happening and this, this will be there. Uh, it, is, it is because we believe in afterlife, because we believe in unjudgment, it is only in eternity that sin receives its full retribution and goodness its complete reward. Good people are punished sometimes. Good people, uh, you know, nobody rewards them, but evil people are rewarded in this world so when we study this proverb, we need to understand all this is not going to happen right in this world. Despite there is some kind of a disorder in this world, still 
in the midst of all our pain, struggles, failures, there are still moments in this world for godly people to shout for joy and they can be glad. That's what this proverb says. Now, when Jesus came to this world, when the Son of God came to this world, you know, John's gospel is amazing. If you, if we, all, we all are familiar with John's gospel chapter two, when Jesus attended the wedding. You know, sometimes people say, you don't have to be so joyful. But as I said, Jesus was a man full of emotions. He was there in wedding. Uh, so in John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. It is the first of the signs. In the Mark gospel, it is a different story. But in the gospel of John, this turning water into wine is considered as the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, his essence, his, his, his very mission, his purpose, and his disciples believed in him. What, what happened there? There was joy. There was shortage of food. There was shortage of wine. You know, the bridegroom all through his life, he could have never lived in that place. People would have made fun of him. We attended your wedding. You couldn't even give us wine. And uh, Jesus was there and he brought that joy in that moment. So Jesus came to this world um, uh, to bring joy. Uh, so to be joyful is not sinful. To have a long phrase is not, it's not godly. Uh, you know, just being serious and that's, that's, that's religious. You know, in gospel, you always shout for joy. Are you always right? No, we are not right. We commit mistake. The, the, the speed with which we can overcome this, it shows to what extent God is before us or to what extent we are close to God. So we need to be joyful in the midst of our pains, struggles, and everything. The, the more we work on our attitudes, inner attitudes, we will be, we'll be able to be joyful because the circumstances are not going to make us joyful. The world is not going to make us joyful, but it is God who will make us joyful. So we, we have to work on that. And that's the way we can be uh, joyful. So in this first miraculous sign, it is not healing. In the Gospel of John, it's not healing. It is all about celebration. Jesus revealed himself to be the Lord of the feast. Uh, he, in fact, he literally took control of the banquet in that wedding. And uh, you know, he tasted. In other words, he said, go and show to the and the master who was serving that. So Jesus revealed himself to be the Lord of the feast, celebration. Now, this is not something uh, new in the Old New Testament, because if we understand the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 25, 68, it says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, 
a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. See, the best of meats and the finest of wines. It'll be celebration. In the presence of Jesus, there'll be celebration. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. So that's why it's important to understand resurrection, afterlife. Uh, if we believe in God only for this life, you know, we are miserable. So he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Now, this is in Isaiah chapter 25, 6 to 8. It does not mean all this will happen in this world. As I said, though God created this world with an order, as of now, uh, it is, it's not going to happen. But uh, when we come to Revelation 19, 6 to 8, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. In other words, the best is yet to come for a child of God. We have to have this understanding. Now, I said... Um, shout for joy. Now with that, I come to an end as regards to the understanding emotion. Now, before I just move on to the next, I want to just ask a couple of questions. <clears throat> Can we confidently say that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people? We have all been observing, we have experienced, we are seeing what's happening around us. So can we confidently say that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people? No, Pastor. No, Pastor. Okay, two no's. It is not necessary that good things happen to good people and bad things mm -hmm. to bad people. It's not necessary. Okay, three. Uh, no, yeah, Master. Okay, four. Uh, no, Pastor. No, Pastor. So we we are, it it only shows that we are observing the uh, our environment very closely, or probably we ourselves have not experienced. We might have experienced bad things, uh, whatever it might be. Then my next question is why. What is the reason? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Okay. Uh, could be our definition of what is good and bad also, Pastor. Like we might say it is bad expecting a different outcome, but in the long run, uh, like in God's plan, I've seen only good things happen to us. Oh, yes. Yes, for all things work for the good of those who love him. So ultimately, God turns bad things into good. Okay. 
Others? After the word of God also says that he maketh sunshine on both on good and the evil people. So according to the word of God, yes. No, but if that is the verse, if God makes sunshine on good as well as the wicked, then good things should happen to good people. And that, because God, you know, is, uh, shines his light. I think the story of Job uh, is a good reminder. Okay, we have come to the point. Okay. Now, the reason I ask this question is when we study Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, <clears throat> are, see, this is wisdom. Now, how do we gain wisdom? That's, that's the entire the reason why we are doing Bible study is to gain wisdom. Now, Proverbs assumes or Proverbs takes it for granted that this world has been created by a good God and he has set this world in, you know, according to certain principles. So in Proverbs, you will always find that one who works hard, he will gather much. A lazy man will not gather. So you find Proverbs like this. And now when, you, when we are studying wisdom, and if you want to have that wisdom, we need to be very clear because if we take one verse, and when we start applying to our situation, we will go wrong. Too often, because our um, understanding of the word is so superficial, we just take one verse and say, this verse says like this, and it is God's word, and they should happen like this. Now, if we are doing like this, we will go wrong because Though the Proverbs assumes that, um, you know, like here we saw that uh, evildoers are snared by their own sin, but the righteous shout for joy and glad. Uh, we'll, you know, it is, if we, if we want to understand the whole picture, we need to realize God's order has been disrupted. When God created the world, everything was good. But because of the entry of sin, because of the fallen condition, this order has been disrupted, so it is broken. And because it is broken, we need to realize no one book of the Bible gives us the whole picture of salvation and truth. And imagine if no one book of the Bible gives us the whole picture of salvation and truth, can we take one single verse and say, this is what the word of God says like this. It is, that's the reason it's important for us to understand the word of God in its context. And we should take time to study, work, struggle, and to understand and to interpret. 
Now, Proverbs makes the case that because God is the creator, wise actions normally lead to good results in life. Wise actions normally. See, it is not always. Wise actions normally lead to good results in life. There is much abnormal about our world. You know, uh, if, if you are looking at rich people, um, most of the time, rich people are not hardworking people. Whereas the poor people are hardworking. Uh, it is true even in the corporate world, if, if you're able to reach certain level, the amount of work, though you might say responsibility and all that, the, the amount of work one who has just joined recently, uh, the amount of work he puts in may be much more, the amount of the number of hours he works. Now we can debate about all that because there is an element of injustice in this world. So we need to realize wise actions normally, hardworking normally gets good results. But if you say hard work will always reap good results, then we are wrong. Because the problem is, as I said, hardworking people are not always rich. And all rich people are not always hardworking. There is, why I said God's order disrupted, there is a disruption between behavior and reward. Uh, it is disrupted. I cannot say that I will work like this and I can get these results. We cannot say that. Normally it may yield the results, but we cannot say it is always. So Proverbs Though it acknowledges that you know, the order has been disrupted, but if you want to understand wisdom in a better way, then somebody said we should study, Sharon said we should study the book of Job. Now Job and Ecclesiastes, they are also considered as part of wisdom literature. So if you want wisdom, only if we study Proverbs, it's not enough. We should have the understanding of Ecclesiastes as well as the book of Job to understand wisdom. And Ecclesiastes and Job, they, while Proverbs just acknowledges these two books, they explore what has gone wrong. Uh, you know, Proverbs, for example, I'll give you an example. Proverbs says in general, that godly people are remembered and the wicked are forgotten. That's what the proverb says. Proverbs 10, seven says, the name of the righteous is used in blessings, but the name of the wicked will rot. Okay. Now, if we take this one verse and we try to defend, uh, we'll go wrong. The, the, the reason why I'm saying is, if you want wisdom, we have to have a good understanding. That's why good Bible study, our own self-study, they're all important. We need to think uh, what our forefathers did. They never had that my, the, the facilities that we have. 
the understanding we have. They never had. So when we study the word of God more and more, then we'll be able to understand what's happening in our life and what's happening around us. But when the proverb says the name of the righteous is used in blessings, the book of Ecclesiastes says, whether you are a righteous or a fool, you will no longer, you'll be honored. You know, it is not that you're a wise person, you get some special privilege. Both wise and fool, all will meet the same fate. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 15, 16 said, then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also, will overtake me, the wise person. What, do, what then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So the, as we are studying Proverbs, we have done quite a bit of study in Proverbs, which we will continue. There's much more in the book of Proverbs. There's so much of wisdom. But I want to keep warning yourself that Job and Ecclesiastes must be read together with Proverbs because this is all considered as wisdom literature uh, in Hebrew, in, in the understanding of Hebrew people. When we read Proverbs, that's why we should not take one verse and um, make it. Of course, when Jesus said, I am the way and the life and the truth, that's okay. But when it comes to wisdom and when we have to drop principles and all, we have to be cautious and we have to know that uh, what's happened to this world. Uh, so if once you understand Job and Ecclesiastes, we will not be surprised that in, the, in this broken world, good behavior does not always lead to favorable outcomes. If you're, if you're only looking for outcome, then we will be forced to compromise. And if you don't want to compromise, and if you want to hold on to Christian convictions, then we should understand, I may get rewarded, I may not get rewarded. But if our focus is only on reward, I believe in God, this is what will happen, and we'll go wrong. Because uh, when, when the outcome is not favorable to us, the first thing we will do is we will start blaming God. The Bible says, live like this, I did like this. You see, you, one can be a man of integrity and still he can be convicted on false cases. It happens, it happens regularly. Uh, it is not that good people are not being punished. Innocent people are being punished. And in this world, there is so much of brokenness. So what do we do? Do we compromise? I'm not talking we should compromise. What I'm saying is we should be aware. Because if we are not aware, then we will be disappointed. And when we get disappointed, the first thing we'll do is, you know, all this is wrong. Bible is wrong. The, you know, I don't think there is God. People tend to talk like this. But Bible never says that your good behavior will be rewarded in this world all the time. 
the Bible says normally good behavior will be rewarded, but your final reward, you have to wait. So once we understand this truth, then we'll be able to lead a wise life in a broken world. Otherwise, we'll be disappointed. So it is important for us. You know, the Bible says you should raise up the child in the way it should grow. And, uh, you know, when he grows, he will remember the things. Now, I can give you many examples, godly parents who did everything that they knew, but their children, when they grew up, uh, they were told they, they even left their faith. Now, if, if, you, if you hold on to this and they say this is the outcome, we should do our part. And whatever we have done, we leave it to God. We are not God. Uh, if you just because something has gone wrong, it doesn't mean something is wrong with us. We should be very clear. We don't have to prove to the world with our results. We have to be closer to God and we should love God and we should have faith in God. Now, doing all, I'm not discouraging. I want all of us to be real people living in a fallen world. Uh, you, we should keep reminding ourselves the best is yet to come. I'll be living with my Jesus forever and ever and ever. Uh, so this is this world is going to be a challenge. Life is going to be challenged. You know, if you hear, if you understand, you know what all is happening in this world, uh, then you realize that. People are undergoing a lot of problems. And if we, it's very easy to, you know, we are got used to these sermons. You come, your problems are over. No problems begins when you come to Jesus. But the assurance is Jesus will be with you. He'll walk with you. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear because you are with me. That's what we need to teach because miracles will not happen on a daily basis. Miracles are miracles. And what happens on a daily basis is God is with us 24 seven. That's what happens on, that is wisdom. And if we don't have this understanding, uh, we will struggle when we are faced with challenges. We will fear. When something goes wrong, you may be very honest in your workplace and you may be fired. It's not something is wrong with you. It's wrong with the system. It is wrong with the world. It's a broken world. We are living in a broken world. So we cannot expect always good rewards for hard work. Sometimes lazy people are being promoted. Uh, that's, that's what, as I told you about Heisenhower principle, I don't know how many of you know about Peter principle. Long ago, he said the most inefficient uh, in a hierarchical system, the most inefficient person is promoted to the next level. And uh, there's a book on that, Peter principle. If you read, you will realize that. So 
this, that's the kind of world, and especially in an Indian culture, you're close to your boss, you're promoted, whether you work or not. Or... So these are all the issues as Christians we will face. And when we have the wisdom and God is with us, that gives us strength, that gives us courage, and that gives us peace. Okay, any questions? I'm not leaving you on a discouraging note. Uh, it's, not, it's not to discourage you, but to tell you that when you're reading Proverbs, we should also keep in mind Ecclesiastes and Job, because those two books are also considered as wisdom literature. And in the Bible, we should have the whole picture. And when we have the whole picture and when we understand what Jesus did for us on the cross, that gives us the assurance and confidence to face our life boldly, courageously, and wisely. Okay, any questions? Pastor, I don't have a question, but one thing I learned that uh, recently in my office, like I'm a teacher, and uh, there something went wrong where everything was blamed on me only. So what today I understood and learned is that I should focus to God. So that is very important. Whatever circumstance comes, we should keep the trust and we should pray. So thank you, Pastor, for making us understand that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Preeti, for sharing that. And, uh, you know, yeah, as you go through those struggles, yeah. we, we should always do our best. Yeah. We, you know, despite doing our best, sometimes mm. we, may be, we may be lacking, but we should do our best yes. and we should keep our eyes on God. And, and uh, that's the way we... And do our work honestly. Yes, Pastor. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank that's, you. that's the way we glorify God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Others? I'm sure you all have faced situations like Preeti has faced. Uh, we can always tell. Even I was uh, encouraged to hear uh, about uh, the book of uh, Proverbs. Of course, it's a book of wisdom. But uh, I always used to think, you know, doing the right thing, the right thing happens to you. But uh, since past six months, since I've also been studying Book of Ecclesiastes and Job, I'm able to understand the three different aspects of wisdom that's beautifully brought out. And it is hard. And as you said that, you know, in, we invite people to Christ saying that, you know, he'll take care, he'll carry all your burdens and you can uh, come and rest Come to me, all ye who are weary. We gave all, we quote all these scripture verses, and they come with that assurance and hope. But when things don't happen, uh, there's something. So we really need to be careful on that. So those thoughts you brought it out again today, it's reassuring. Uh, what we speak in an evangelistic meeting, uh, it's all fine, and we should speak in an evangelistic meeting. Uh, we cannot have the same language in the church because in the church we should grow uh, so if you are only speaking evangelistic language in the church then we are still infant christians so that's the reason this bible study and in the church we should always focus on the word of god and understand because 
when problems come, it is only God who can help us. And we will only know God through the word of God because he has revealed himself through the word of God. And that's the reason we, uh, we spend more time. Wherever you are, I, I know from different parts of the world, you, you know, people are joining here. Always go to your church, which is, you know, which is, which divides the word of God rightly. Uh, not because they preach, uh, you know, attractively. I, I don't think the word of God alone helps us to grow. Yes, Pastor, I agree on this. Uh, we need to go to the right church, but you know, we may not always get that privilege. Uh, and we need to turn to the word of God. So I thank God for you and for this church for making it possible for me to grow and uh, learn. Yeah, but I, I don't expect all of you to keep learning only. I want all of you to become teachers in turn. Yes, uh, my, my, fo that. my focus has always been in the church. Even if few people are coming, they should be able to go out and teach, share and explain. If that they do, I think the purpose is achieved. Pastor, Sharon is a very good teacher. I am experienced. I can make out because a good teacher always keeps on learning. Okay, anyone else wants to share your experience just for a minute or two in your life and how do you find the wisdom literature helps? Where, at least in your corporation, uh, anyone from the corporation side, corporate world, would you like to share? Where hardworking people have lost their job, sincere people. Good. Pastor, the thought that you shared today, how do we apply that to Romans 9, 18, which says, therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Okay. How are you linking that with Proverbs? Because uh, I think towards the end, uh, you, I think you were sharing uh, because it's a fallen world and it's a broken world, so everything is uh, disturbed. But should okay. we connect this verse to that, uh, where it says, I, when God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So it's purely God's choice. Uh, is that how we connect uh, this uh, Romans to the Proverbs? Uh, first, we have to understand our salvation, because uh, when, when you read Titus, it will say that he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Yes, yes, yes. So once we understand salvation, salvation is purely because of God's mercy not because of the righteous things we had done. Now, what we are talking in the uh, Proverbs is not salvation. What we are talking in the Proverbs is about how do we live in this world? It is marketplace wisdom. When we go to a market or when we are in a workplace, 
how do we deal how do we understand how do we work so it's not salvation so if you are connecting this proverbs with then in romans paul is talking about salvation in romans chapter 1 paul says why the world is struggling how the godless people they become hardened and what all is happening if you read romans chapter 1 and then he says neither gentiles nor jews are righteous it's purely god's grace and in chapter 9 and 10 it's talking about the jewish people he's crying for jewish people you know if only they can accept jesus it's talking about that so we are not going to link up proverbs with romans uh, romans is different now we have been saved to do good deeds now roman says we have been saved so that we can do good deeds so what proverb says is when you are doing good deeds don't always expect good results you may be doing good things but because we are living in a broken world don't always expect good results that's what proverb says so when we are linking we should have this and the overall understanding i i don't know whether i made it clear or not uh, yes pastor thank okay. you so much thank you thank you okay uh, uh if you have that hope of resurrection uh everything else will fall in its place we can we can face crisis and no one should face struggles no one should face and i why i said jesus is a man of full of emotions too often we say that when jesus was standing in front of lazarus tomb uh, people will even preach jesus that there's a verse called jesus wept and people will say because he wept because these people didn't have faith that's not what the bible says he didn't weep because they didn't have faith he didn't you know he didn't weep in the boat because the disciples did not have faith no he would have he should have wept at that time because the disciples did not have faith he wept because he understood the the agony that death brings in the life death is the final enemy and he knew what the fallen nature of human beings have done what devil has done to this world and because of that he wept not because of lack of faith he knew he is going to raise up lazarus but he was a man full of emotions and he could stand there and join with others and weep that is our lord that is our god he is our god who will walk with us through our tears he is not the one who says why are you weeping no no he will also weep because he is going to weep with us we have that hope and assurance he is our god hold on to him come whatever happen hold on to him and that gives us hope whatever struggles and challenges we may face let's look to the lord in prayer glorious father we thank you for this beautiful time our lord thank you lord for being our god for being a god full of emotions i pray lord you will make our emotions healthy 
I pray, Lord, we'll, fill, we'll be filled with the Spirit, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, we will learn to become little children, always striving to be in the, in, in the vicinity of, its, of their mothers. O oh God, bring us to that place. O oh God, draw us closer to you. You alone can draw us closer to you, O oh God. Yes. Every emotion that we exhibit, every word that we speak, every thought that we entertain will be pleasing to you, O oh God. Every act we do will be pleasing to you. That will be our focus. It's not about who is big, who is small, and you know what people think about me. It's all about you, O oh God. If we can please you today, we have lived a wonderful life today, O oh Lord. Draw us, fill us with your spirit, teach us and guide us. Bless each and every one. Oh God, as they go through their own struggles, as Preeti was sharing her own struggle, I pray, Lord, you will be her warrior God and you will fight her battle. We thank you, Lord, for taking Chandrasekhar Jyotsna Joy back to Portland. They're joining right from Portland. And we thank you and we praise you. You are a good, good God. Be with each one of us. Guide us, lead us, bless us with good health, bless us with peace, and bless us with your strength. You take all glory, honor, and praise, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.